On this episode, we talk about hardware, hardware, and holy cow, a whole bunch of more hardware. This is the Sam's Report. This is the Sam's Report for Friday, October 9th. What a crazy week it has been. A week full of hardware, a week full of just about everything you can think of in the world of Microsoft. And if you were following along, which I know many of you are on Therat.com and a little bit over on Petri, also my Twitter feed and Paul's Twitter feed, uh, we were in New York for this event and it was a great event for Microsoft fans. Now, just kind of just giving you some overview here. So it was obviously in New York. Um, it was at an old post office that they were gonna remodel. Um, it was actually a really good venue. I mean, it was quite large. They had, I would say, a couple hundred people, it seemed like, and there were obviously quite a few Microsoft employees there and whatnot, uh, but very well designed, very well presented, plenty of seating space. Paul and I were actually sitting on a couch with Mary Jo Foley, and um, yeah, if you're following along, you know that the Wi-Fi was atrocious at the event. Microsoft was highly aware of this. Um, it, it was like a, it was a tiered effect because not only did the Wi-Fi suck, so you tried to log into the Wi-Fi, that was down or just didn't work. So then everybody flipped on their MiFi's, which then killed all of the signals. I had an AT&T um, phone and a Verizon phone, and it, yeah, it was it was a disaster from that aspect. But fortunately, all the on-stage demos, everything else um, went pretty smoothly. So dive right in, shall we? So let's let's talk about what the event was. This was Microsoft's fall event, where they showed off pretty much everything they're going to be doing for. Um, the holiday shopping season here. Now, not it's not only holiday shopping season here, which we'll get to in a second, but it's it's what the, it's what the company's been working on for many months. And, and, and in case of the Surface Book, actually, they told us about two years. So this is the company's. Uh, this is a big event for them because not only is it showing off new hardware, but it's also showing off what Microsoft likes to call lighting up of new devices and experiences with Windows 10. And so now they have their own premium-based hardware for this new high-end operating system that they've released. And if all of this hardware flop, Micro would be in a lot of, Microsoft would be in trouble, but I don't, after playing with it for quite a bit, I really don't think we're gonna be, uh, I don't think Microsoft has too much to worry about. We'll get into that a little bit deeper here. But starting off the event, Microsoft actually came out um, and said 110 million installs of Windows 10, and of that, 8 million were in the enterprise. Um, two good things here, especially just for my personal sake, I had reported about a week and a half earlier that they had passed um, 100 million. So if anybody needed any more verification that my information was correct, there you go. I said 100 million a week and a half ago. Microsoft says 110 million. Um, very much within reason that they, you know, it's all within the ballpark of uh, reasonability. And so that gives me better verification on my numbers are, are generally correct. Um, because there was at one point where I posted 81 million and people were saying, no, I was wrong. Um, but yeah, no, that number was right too. Anywho, they came out with that, said 8 million people or 8 million um, business machines, which is a good clarification, are now running Windows 10, which is actually a really good um, thing if you think about it from Microsoft's perspective here because they are wanting to break into the enterprise with Windows 10. They failed to do so with Windows 8 on any measurable scale. And so the fact that they have 8 million and the fact that they're highly er, personifying this number um, very in articulately means that they're very proud of how quickly the enterprise is actually moving to this, this figure, which is good. Um, it, it's really good, actually. So they must be very confident that the enterprise is going to, going to move to this route and the fact that they're at 110 million installs. And somebody wrote, 
Um, I think it was actually Business Insider wrote this week that Windows 10 was the fastest selling OS ever. Well, that's not quite correct. Um, it's the fastest adopted OS, but we got to remember that Microsoft is not selling um, 110 million licenses. They are giving away quite a few of those. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but 110 million, 8 million, Microsoft is well on their path. They want to get to a billion machines within, I think it said, three years. So they are over 10% of the way there. Um, and you figure that there's roughly two to 300, well, closer to 300 million, 275, we'll say, uh, new machines built every year. So that puts them a little shade under 600 million, so 700 million with their current install base just by what the market traditionally does. And they'll, they'll easily hit that billion number within three years. I, I'm very confident of this, especially when you factor in Xbox and IoT and phones. Um, billion's not going to be an issue, and they're well, well down that road path. One of the things that they showed off very early at the event is the HoloLens. Uh, Microsoft likes to show this device off. It's a very futuristic looking type product for them. And they actually said that their development kits are coming in Q1 for $3,000. Um, there were kind of mixed reactions to this. And I'm personally OK with the price point. People were saying, oh, it should have been like Google Glass, which was $1,500. And um, anybody who's buying a development kit at three grand should not be doing this for a personal use item. This is very much an enterprise play up front. Microsoft has been very candid about this, that they expect their first um, first few installs to, or first few sales or whatever to be going to the enterprise and all that good stuff. So that's not too surprising that the price is so high. That's It's probably intentional by design, um, likely one, because the devices are not cheap, and two, they really just don't want people to get these things in their hands and be like, oh my God, it's just a terrible experience. Well, because it's a development kit, it's very early on. Nadella has said repeatedly, five-year plan. And you know that's that's where we're at with that. So three grand for that, if you want to order it, let check for it coming out in Q1. Um, something else to keep in mind is that on stage, Microsoft, and I, I don't agree with what they did here, uh, showed off this really intense game and it looks really cool, and I've, I've heard from first-hand experiences, um, people saying it is a lot of fun, but they're dramatically overselling um, what the product is. The, the field of view was not what they were showing on stage. Maybe they think they're going to get there, but if you went and played the game, it would not you would not have the same immersive experiences that showed on stage. Don't get me wrong, it would still be a lot of fun and would be good, but it's like the peripheral vision of this thing, up and down and, and your top and bottom, is dramatically less than what they show. Um, so somebody asked here, uh, it says, are you able to put the 3K HoloLens SDK into perspective versus the Xbox 360 SDK? I'm not quite sure what you mean by this question. This came from Matt Simon on Twitter. So the, there's a big difference between these development kits um, at a high level. So the development kit for the Xbox 360 has a very, very small targeted audience. It's game developers, right? And it's only the people who are going to be building games. And, and I don't know if you mean Xbox One either, but from the Xbox perspective, it's a very limited market. The HoloLens um, is very broad. It's very, very broad. It could be anybody from uh, a hospital wanting to get better information on x-rays and surgeries to an architecture firm to um, one of the interesting things that we've been talking about here is actually City Planner. So they can come in and build their design, then walk out into the field, and then actually see how um, streets and roads and everything are going to be laid out to see if they make sense. So from a perspective, I don't know how many they're actually going to be offering, but I suspect there's going to be high and high um, 
uptake of these things. I really do, even at that price. But again, in the corporate side of things, you want to build out these unique apps and experiences that are just haven't really seen before. And they they it, you got to remember this is virtual or augmented reality or what they like to call mixed reality and not just virtual reality. Big difference on how the experience plays out too. Um, issues with latency and all that good stuff. But anyways, uh, that's kind of the SDK from a nutshell perspective. But one thing you got to keep in mind, um, sorry, another comment says, a reporter who recently tried out the HoloLens stated after the presentation, the field of view isn't limited to the mail slot view. Um, I have worn HoloLens twice. I, I have put it on twice. Now, they did not let us do it um, at this event. They did not let us try it on. I can tell you the field of view is limited. Um, it, it's a mail slot is probably a bit limited. I would say from 12 inches from your face, let's see, 12 inches from your face is about there. It would be about a sheet by about eight. If you held an eight by 11 sheet of paper out in front of your face, let's just say 18 inches. That's probably pretty good. Um, and Microsoft, as, as Marston points out on Twitter, um, Microsoft has been avoiding this topic a little bit. So I, I'm hoping that they're going to improve it. But anyways, on to the back to the demo. It's Microsoft completely oversold it. The Verge, um, despite usually writing some very slanted things, um, actually got it right this time. They said that Microsoft completely oversold it and that they're setting false expectations with that type of a game. It, it, the field of view is not there. Please do not watch that and think, oh my god, this is what the development kit's going to be like because you will be sorely disappointed. But anywho, I don't want to harp on the HoloLens because get, don't get me wrong, I'm very optimistic about it. I really like it. Um, I would love to get my hands on one and play around with it. But at the same time, I want at least people, readers to understand that you got to lower your expectations from Microsoft's marketing content because they are overselling it at the end of the day. Anywho, moving on. So let's, it, there were some, there was a lot of good stuff that really went on in this event. I uh, met a lot of good people from Microsoft. I actually got to talk to Panos a couple different times. Um, but let's talk about the 950-950 XL. So Microsoft very clearly came out with these phones, right? They said, hey, here, and actually, if you, um, <laughs> if you, if you go back and watch the presentation, Peno said, um, thanks for leaking all the content. And I believe I was actually the first person to tweet a picture of that and kind of started that floodgate. So sorry, Panos. Um, he called me out on that in private. He said, hey, thanks for leaking my stuff. I said, no problem, Panos. You know, that's what I'm here for. But that's just the kind of relationship that the press, specifically somebody like Paul and I have with Microsoft, right? They want us to help talk about their stuff in an educated manner. But at the same time, we want to break the news. And there's a little bit of conflict there, but we all know that's just the nature of our jobs. Microsoft doesn't pay me. Um, you know, it doesn't bother me to leak their stuff as long as I leak it accurately. The worst thing I can do is leak something inaccurately. Anyways, so Panos made the jab that, hey, our, you know, these phones are out there. Um, you've already seen them, blah, blah, blah. He went through all this good stuff. But one thing that if you go back and watch the keynote that you really need to pay attention to is Panos, who got a promotion and is now actually overseeing the Lumia group, um, the smartphone group. He was very articulate in saying that these phones were not his. And now he may not exactly have said they are not his, um, but that's what, if you read between the lines, is what he's saying is essentially he inherited these phones. He took over the job and they said, hey, Panos, the 950 and 950XL, here's where they are, here's what we're doing, here's what everything it is. So he didn't really get to put his touch on it, if you want to call it that. He didn't get to make it his. And he was very clear about this. He said, these are the phones, but not maybe not necessarily the vision of what he envisions a phone could be. And everybody who was sitting around and everybody who had kind of heard this, we all just kind of nodded and said, yeah, there's a Surface phone coming. 
There has to be. The way he's talking about this stuff is that, okay, this is what we're at now, but let me build something that's mine. And when I say build something that's mine, I mean something like the Surface Book or the Surface Pro 4. And it was, um, yeah. So keep an eye on what Panos does. And don't get me wrong, I like the 950 and 950XL. They're good premium high-end phones. They're a little too plasticky for my liking, although there are some good third-party covers out there coming. So keep that in mind if you do buy these devices. Um, we've already we killed these phones. I mean, everything is um, known high-end, quad-core, octa-core type stuff. Um, you know, SD card, 20 megapixel camera. Now, there is an iris reader in this, and so I didn't get to try it out. There's a couple, let's talk about this for a second. So the iris reader, um, I heard from people who have used it, is it works, it works just like Windows Hello would expect, but there's actually some issues in high light, lighted areas, like it, in direct sunlight per se. So if you're in direct sunlight, there's actually some issues with it picking up your, your eyeball, which is what it uses for um, Windows Hello. But for the most part, it does work. I can tell you from what I was told by Microsoft that the builds using um, Windows Hello for the phone and the builds that we're getting on our test devices are two different branches. And a lot of people, actually just about everybody I talked to, did not have the iris enabled. Uh, mostly because that's a completely separate branch, and basically in that branch, the only thing that works is Windows Hello, and nothing else does. So I'm not. Microsoft's got a lot of work to do here, is what I gathered, to bring both branches together to make everything work well. Um, and so there's that stuff. Somebody asked on Twitter, uh, Yusuf, I believe is how you pronounce your name, is asked if they are both liquid cool, and the answer is no. They are not. Only the octacore is liquid cooled. And the liquid cooling stuff, and actually Panos kind of leaked almost what was coming in the Surface Pro 4 at the event, because he kept saying tablet-grade <laughs> tablet liquid cooling. Um, so the Surface Pro 4 does have liquid cooling, and we'll get to that, because it's pretty cool stuff. But the phone actually has liquid cooling, and it, it, it's exactly what it is. You have a little reservoir that heats up, and when it heats up, it evaporates, and whatever that liquid is, it goes up to the cooling area, it condenses again back into a liquid, and goes back down to the CPU, and it's just a thermal exchange that allows the device to remain cool. But it's really, really awesome to see that stuff coming to a phone and to help keep it cool, um, which kind of tells you how intensive this type of stuff is. But the other thing uh, Microsoft showed off a lot, and I think is Brian Roper is his name, was up on stage with his crazy shoes and baggy pants, um, and great personality in his hat, uh, showed a phone continuum. And it was actually, it looked like a newer build from what I'd seen because it showed up in the top corners, um, your, your connectivity and your battery life and that kind of stuff. I need to go back and look at all my pictures to see uh, see if there really was anything else new, but it's definitely a newer build of Continuum, um, phone Continuum, sorry. And that's one of the really unique aspects, and they showed off the Munchkin dock, which I had exclusively, sorry, um, which I had, that was actually my first post on Throughout, I believe, um, was the specs for that stuff that I leaked. And so there's that little dock, and you just kind of plug in, and your device lights up the larger screen. One of the things I actually hope Microsoft does is I would actually love to see them build a monitor with Continuum built in. It's literally just a monitor and you just put your phone on it and it has everything you need for Continuum and that's it. I'm not sure if they'll ever do it, but they have some great, great, great display technology there. And I would love to see them put that into a proper you know, 27 inch monitor and the base is just a phone Continuum dock and it's just bam. So that thing for like 500 bucks, uh, give it 27 inches, uh, four, gosh. Well, since I'm dreaming, uh, 27 inch 4K display, phone Continuum dock built in. That's what I want. That that would be amazing for Microsoft. So 
and 60 hertz 4K, by the way. None of this 30 hertz crap. Um, so yeah, so that would be really, really cool. But anyways, the phone continuum dock is coming, and all this stuff is actually coming around October 26th. And if you're wondering how they came up with that date, it's actually the day that the New York store opens. So Microsoft obviously has a new store in New York City, and that's the day it opens. And magically, that's the day the, um, all the stuff is being released. So yeah, so that's what's coming with the 950XL, 950. They should do all right. I don't think these are, in my personal opinion, the savior phones for Windows Phone. Um, I think that they are excellent devices at the end of the day. And I think for the users that buy them, with the caveat that the software is ready, they will be good phones. I don't think someone's going to buy this stuff and think, oh, God, this is a, this is a crap device. It's a good phone. They are. They, they felt very premium in your hands. I got to play with them for a little bit. Um, the biggest issue I had with it, which I'm hoping is software, is that there was a bit of camera lag. You snap a photo, and then it was you. you it waited a second or two for it to show up, and I believe that's all software. But um, yeah, so those are the 950, 950XL. They also showed off the 550, which I believe is a $129 device um, coming around the same time, just a low-end phone, so nothing too fabulous about it. It's just another low-end Microsoft phone, and yeah. So one of the things they did actually at this event, which I meant to start off with, is Microsoft, these are the press badges that they gave out. It's kind of hard to see. There you go. And they're actually metal. And so this is a, a first time, because um, you can kind of see back here, if you see those red badges hanging, those are what Microsoft badges typically look like. Um, but these ones are metal. And so my joke the whole event um, was that these were built from the bodies of the Surface Mini. Yeah. Obviously, that's probably not true, but I just imagine that they give an intern some tools and say, cut up all the Surface Minis and turn them into badges, and there we go. So that is the 950. You pronounced it right, yeah? Yusuf, yes, I did pronounce your name right. Thank you. So anyways, that's the badge, and that's what that's what went on. Uh, moving on, so Microsoft announced the Band 2, which is obviously the follow-up to the Band. And I did get quite a bit of time with one of these devices, and if you like the Band, you'll like the Band 2. Um, it's a it's a pretty big improvement. The ergonomics of it are improved. It's still not the most lightweight device on your wrist, I guess is the best way to describe it. But the curved screen, um, the actual band portions, the side, one of the things they did is that the, the battery is now in the bottom of the band. It used to be built into the sides, which is why the, the, the edges of it were rigid. And so now connecting the screen down to the bottom battery is this really pliable rubber stuff. Um, it feels good. And it's it's a good device. I think for the people who need that type of a quality fitness device, it's good. I do question the $249 price point does seem a bit high um, personally, but as others have pointed out, Fitbit does reach all the way up into that price range. Um, so does Garmin. So we'll see. We'll see if it sells. I think it for the people who, again, if you like the band one, you're really going to like the band two because it basically takes the band one and makes everything a little bit better. And the screen and the responsiveness to the display was fantastic. I could already tell that there was less lag on the input from the band one to the band two. And they also did a really neat thing, or really neat, but they changed up the how it charges too. So on the band one, your skin would actually touch the connection to where you would charge it. On the band two, 
you do not. It's actually in the clasp, the clasp that's on the underside or outside, I should say, of your wrist. So your arm never actually really touches the, um, it never really touches that connection point and won't get it all sweaty, won't get it all mucked up. Um, and, and yeah, and that, that's a good improvement. And so it's a it's just a generally good update compared to what everything was. I mean, it was not, no big surprises. They did this big deal about um, Vox or maximum volume of oxygen in your blood using algorithms, which is kind of cool. Although I suspect that's a, a smaller user base who really wants that. For me, I like the heart rate. I like the tracking. Um, you know, I'll go running with it. That's my primary use for the band is to track running. And so I maybe one day I'll, I'll care about that, but for me personally, I don't. And then they also instituted a barometer, which is supposed to help with elevation. And people instantly thought, well, hey, I'm not climbing a mountain. This doesn't really make sense. No, the barometer actually helps with steps too, just changes in pressure. And it's all about getting just more accurate data. Just if you want to think of it that way, the best thing about the band too is you're going to get more accurate data. You're going to get more of it and a faster and more friendly interface. So the band too, I, I, it's a good device. I, I just I wish it was one ninety nine. I I honestly wish it was one forty nine. Um, but two forty nine is what they came out with, and it is high quality. The material around the display is aluminum. Um, actually, it might be stainless steel. I, I take that back. But it is definitely metal, and it's what they called clean metal. There's no there's no chemicals on it. It's no, nothing, and so it shouldn't react with your skin. And it does, like everything else Microsoft announced at the event minus the 550, it does have that premium feel to it. So maybe maybe people are just going to run for it and, um, you know, yeah, I hope they do well. And I hope Microsoft does well with it. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's, it's cool. Um, as Jason points out, he says, the VO2 Max estimate was part of the first band as well. He says, not sure why they toted that as new. I... I honestly cannot remember what all the band one did, um, if it did that or not. I'm, I'll take your word for it and says that it did, but I'm guessing that they completely changed the algorithms and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, I, I don't quite know. I don't remember the band one doing VO2, but maybe it did. Anywho, band two coming out later this year, um, I believe end of this month, and we'll have a lot more about that here in the near future. So what else do we have? Uh, yes, the Surface Pro 4. Um, oh, ooh, somebody before I go on says anything about universal apps on the band. So here's a good here's a good answer for you. The band does not run Windows 10. Nope. Um, it, just like the band one, it band one did not run Windows. The, the band two is not running IoT Windows 10 IoT. It is running its own little unique thing, and so I don't think we're going to see universal apps on it. But um, I'm not quite positive on that. But I know that they very clearly said it's not running Windows 10 IoT. So there you go. Anywho, moving on to the Surface Pro 4. And the Surface Pro 4 is pretty much everything that everybody expected, right? Slightly larger screen inside the same bezel, roughly the same bezel, better pen input, uh, much improved keyboard, much improved keyboard. Uh, starts at 899 for 128 gigabyte, four gigs of RAM, and goes all the way up to 2699 for a Core i7 with one terabyte of storage. Uh, people were really asking for that. That size storage, so that's cool. And one of the other things you can do now is actually if you go to the Microsoft website, you can customize your own device. You can just say, hey, I want X, Y, and Z features, you know, in terms of processor storage and um, RAM, and then it'll it'll tell you which one is, you know, you can, you can customize it. 
And so, yeah, so there you go. That's kind of the neat thing is it's got a little configurator. Uh, it does start with an M3 instead of an i instead of an i3. An M3 is it's just an M3 processor. And somebody Marvin asks on Twitter. He says, "Is the Surface Pro 4 with M3 really fanless?" According to Microsoft, yes, it is. I have not played with an M3 model yet, but they have said that that model is actually fanless, and I think that's an Intel requirement. So that's it's going to be ish, interesting to see how the performance is on that variation of it. But according to Microsoft, yes, the M3 is fanless. So the Pro 4, um, I got to play with it quite a bit. You can definitely tell that it is thinner. If, you're, if you've never held a, if you're not holding the Surface 3 right next to it at the same time, it's not like dramatically thinner. But it, yeah, I mean, technically it is thinner, better pen input. Um, pen sticks to the side, so they're doing away with the pen loop. Throughout had a big I'll just say it. Paul had an aneurysm over the whole pen loop stuff about what it is and what it isn't, where it came from. Um, if you remember when the Pro 3 came out, and he has gotten over that, but we were joking about how uh, there's no pen loop, so Paul can finally relax. But the pen does stick to the side very, very well of the Pro 4 and of the Surface Book, actually, too. And it's actually got a flat side to it, so the pen is not... Um, I don't know where my other... Pro 3 pen is. So the Pro 3 pen is completely, it's a cylinder. Uh, the Pro 4 pen and the uh, Surface Book pen are not cylinders. They're, there's just a flat side to them, and the magnets are very powerful um, that, that hold it on there. It'll actually kind of just like, like suck it on there, and, and it feels good. Like you don't feel like it's, uh, oh, you're going to take a step and it's going to fall off. So uh, the magnets are really, really good. Don't be worried about that stuff. And the biggest thing that I think didn't get much attention at the event, and myself included here, are the new type cover, or the new type cover. So there's actually two of them. Microsoft announced type cover with a... Um, actually, let's just take a step back. So there was a rumor, or rumors from different people before the Surface Pro launch that we were going to have a 14-inch device. Didn't happen. Um, that Windows Hello was not going to be included. Didn't happen. Um, but there was going to be, the one rumor that was right was that there was going to be a Windows Hello-based fingerprint reader in the type cover instead of Windows Hello and the tablet. So Microsoft actually built their own cameras for the book and the Pro 4 to support Windows Hello. But I'd just like to point out that Paul and I did not write up the 14-inch stuff, um, and we did not write up that Windows Hello would not be included because we did not, we didn't, we weren't hearing that. Um, Paul and I really don't like to write things unless we're pretty confident in them. But anyway, so what they have is a new type cover, and it is actually much better. Uh, if It's probably, if you have a Surface 3, um, I highly recommend, if you're not going to upgrade, to get the new type cover that has the fingerprint so you can get the fingerprint scanner, so you can get the um, Windows Hello support, which I believe is a $50 premium. I believe that keyword is $179. The new type cover is the same price, $129. But the biggest difference is, is that there's new mechanics under the keys. The keys are spread a little bit further, and the trackpad, the trackpad is so much better. I don't know what Microsoft did. I really need to dig into it. But the trackpad is remarkably better. The keys feel much better. Now, I had, did not have a chance to try it on my lap, or more specifically, where I like to try this stuff is in the back of an airplane, um, you know, sitting in cattle car section when you have, like, this much legroom. Um, but the key input and response and everything about this new keyboard is much, much better. And I'm, I'm very happy with what Panos and his team have done. And... I don't think they got enough credit for how much improved this keyboard actually is, especially that trackpad. So I highly recommend you check those things out. And if you need a new keyboard, 
the, this is worth, in my opinion, the upgrade. I don't, I'm not quite sold on maybe going from Pro 3 to Pro 4 is worth the upgrade yet, depending on how old your machine is. Um, but the Pro 4's got some good stuff too. I mean, it's got the, it's got the, uh, let's see, new Windows Hello, the screen. It's just an evolutionary update. Let's just be honest. That's what it is. It's got USB port. One thing it does not have that I'm kind of sad to see, it does not have USB Type-C charging. It's still using the same charger, which, by the way, the Surface Book and the Surface Pro 4, and I believe the Surface Pro 3, um, all use the same type of charger, which is good. I mean, it's one charger to rule them all in the world of Microsoft, unless you have a Surface 3, which uses USB, unless you have a Surface, unless you have the Lumias, which then use USB Type-C. Um, but in the Surface family, okay, maybe not one charger to rule them all. Um, somebody asked, Marvin asks, why is the type cover with a fingerprint US only? That's because Microsoft hates the world. I don't have a good answer for that, to be honest. I would expect that they are going to expand that availability. Um, this question gets asked a lot, but Microsoft, you have to just ask them why they only launch things in the US. I honestly do not know why they think only the US cares about security or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's the Surface Pro 4. I'll again have more about this soon once once some of you know once the certain days arrive. Um, but yeah, it's a good it's just a good upgrade, right? A slightly larger screen. The pen input is fantastic. It, I looked at if you looked at the Pro Three and said ah, they can't make this pen input any better. Well, they did. They they lowered the latency a little bit. The pen tip is a little bit softer, and the eraser on the back works just like an eraser. And just like it has the same little light, when you power up a Surface Pro 4, you hold down the button for five seconds, it pairs, boom, you're done. One of the things they have not introduced yet that I'm hoping um, is one of the things that I'm hoping that they do is allow us to actually remap that key. Is So I don't use OneNote a lot. I would honestly rather, like my ideal world is actually if I could use that pen and then have it turn on the edge markup feature. Um, so there you go. And somebody, Yusuf retweeted, said, Paul was joking around, said, my 14 is surface rumor is correct. Well, Paul tweeted that. It, tweets and writing up things aren't correct. We got this, Paul got this information, I should say. And it wasn't quite a 14-inch surface. It was definitely a 13-inch. And if you go back and look at the rumors, not what, and I'm talking about what people actually wrote up on their websites or, what's, or what I call hard promoting, which is an actual post. I, Twitter is where Paul and I just kind of vet things and just chat out loud. But anywho, so that's the Surface Pro 4. But one of the other interesting things about it is that the Pro 4 has liquid cooling. And so what Microsoft is saying this is going to allow us to do or allow it to do, it says, so um, for web browsing and normal day-to-day -day activities, you no longer run the fan as you did in the Surface Pro 3. Thank goodness, because my, my Surface Pro 3 sounded like a hissing cobra because the fans would run so loud on occasion. And when the server's under, under pressure with the fan running, the heat will move even will be more evenly distributed, not all concentrated in a hot spot. So what they're essentially saying is that under max pressure, the Surface Pro 4 should be a little bit cooler. It shouldn't burn your leg type scenario. So that's the Surface Pro 4. There's really not too much else to say. I mean, it's just a good device, right? It's a good evolutionary upgrade. What else, what else is there to say? Microsoft said, we're going to prove every little feature just a little bit. And when you put all this together, it's a nice modest upgrade with Windows Hello support being probably, in my opinion, the biggest reason you would want to upgrade. If you don't care about Windows Hello um, and you just spent 1500 bucks within the last few months on a high-end Surface Pro 3, 
My personal opinion would be just just to wait, maybe go buy the new type cover. But I personally would not buy Surface Pro 4 just to have the newest and latest if you have a high-end Pro 3. I don't think it's worth that risk, worth the jump. Um, I would just wait a year and get and go, you know, do the every other year type update because it's it's a bigger gain in that perspective. So, and then let's just talk about the Surface Book. This is, um, let's just, let's take a step back here. So the week before it, before Microsoft event, um, I wrote up that Microsoft has a big surprise and I wasn't quite sure what it was. What I personally thought it was is that Microsoft was building a clamshell for the Pro 4. So then you, if you buy a Pro 4, then there's an optional external hardcover type um, clamshell thing that would turn it into a full like two-in-one proper laptop. So that's what I honestly thought it was. And but no, that's I mean it's close. It is a two-in-one, but actually the uh, the device is completely separate from the Surface. So the the display has no ports on it, um, and it has a very nice base. And I will tell you, this thing is premium until the premium sun goes down at the end of the day. It feels in your hands fantastic. There's an, a unique hinge that kind of is like a, a almost like internally looks like a chain link style mechanical link. I don't know. I'm not a mechanical engineer. I'm not even going to pretend I know what the proper name of that type of setup is. But it's all made of a great uh, metal material. The key touch and response is fantastic. And so what they have is is the the Pro 4, their Pro 4, the tablet, or sorry, they call it a clipboard. Microsoft calls the display portion a clipboard. Microsoft and their names or whatever you want to call it. They call it a clipboard and it pops off off and on, but you have to hit a button on it, on the keyboard. You hit this button and a little red light or little light is red. And then when it turns green, what they called, I believe it was called mechanical muscle. And it's actually a mechanical lock releases. And then you can take the display off. And in the display portion is housed is the CPU, the Ram, uh, the storage and one third of the battery. So what you get is this portable clipboard that works with the pen and works just like a Pro 4, although it is slightly larger. And in fact, it is actually thinner than the Pro 4. So you get this tablet experience and Microsoft believes they're going to be in an 80-20 world where 80% of the people will use it. 80% um, of the time, it'll be in that clamshell, like docked into the, the keyboard and 20% of the time in clip, you know, clipboard mode. Until it pops off, and it's a great thing. It's just a great. It's just a great tablet. It's just like a Pro Four without the minus the ports and a slightly larger screen, and you can do whatever you want with it. And it's got one third of the battery. And then when you dock it again, and this is where the magic happens, provided you buy one of the upper tiers, is that there's a discrete graphics or dedicated graphics DGPU is what they call it in the base. It's actually made by Nvidia. It's a custom graph. It's a custom chip. And there's additional batteries. So there's one third is in the display, two thirds is into the base. And what that does is help distribute the weight. And it's a great device. It, it, I, I honestly think they're gonna sell quite a few of these things. Now, it's not a perfect device, but it is a good device. It's especially for very version one. Um, if you look at what Surface RT morphed into, Surface RT into Pro 4, and you look at Surface Book 1 and think about where Microsoft's gonna take this, you get really, really excited. But I think, I think this device is going to be great. Um, I got to play with it quite a bit. Uh, Microsoft hands-on and demos and all sorts of stuff. My biggest here, I'm going to start with my concerns and then tell you why I really like it. 
So my biggest concern with the device is that it's still the, the display is a little wobbly still. It's not it's not like Surface Pro 3 or whatever bad on your lap, but because there's still a lot of weight in the screen, um, the screen, not when typing, but like if you're in turbulence on an airplane or if you're sitting in the back of a cab or something or if you're anywhere other than something stationary, the, the screen does wobble a little bit and you kind of, in the back of your mind, you always have this, like, is the screen just going to detach? I really don't think it will. Microsoft did a tremendous job on this latch, but that's just kind of one of the other things. And the proportions of the screen are a little bit odd, too. It has the same um, same layout as the Pro 4, and it's just a large-ish screen, so it's just kind of tall. And this could be a result of two reasons. One, that I've, I'm coming from a Dell XPS 13, which is just about as small as a 13-inch tablet tablet can get or a laptop can get and basically it, this surface book is somewhere between a 13 and a 14 inch device it's they say 13 inch it's the same width as a 13 inch but as tall as a 14 inch um and it just it's it looks kind of goofy um just the proportions but whatever it's a good machine don't get me wrong I don't, i'm not i don't want to say this is a bad product um, the key input, the trackpad, Microsoft looks like they, when they built this, they'd learned how to build a proper trackpad. Trackpad worked phenomenally and great, great backlighting, great resolution, good clarity. Um, and the hinge works well. One of the things I was misinformed about when I first thought it, so I thought it was like a Yoga Pro uh, that folded all the way back. You know, you can open it all the way up, but that is not the case. So the hinge goes back to... And, and don't quote me on this, let's just say about 110 degrees or so, 115 maybe, and then it stops. And then if you want to get the yoga-like experience, you have to pop the tablet off, turn it around, redock it, and then you can clamshell it again with the screen facing out. So it is there as an option. I personally don't see many people using it, although I can see how some people would, but it just doesn't have complete flexibility. And what you're doing, by the way, is so Microsoft talked about this in some detail. Is, so we have your display, and the reason why this is such a big deal for them is that there's an issue when, okay, let's imagine you're in Photoshop doing some heavy processing, and you want to detach the display, and it's using that discrete graphics card. Well, it has to stop. So that's why you can't just rip this stuff off, the top off, anytime you want. So what happens is when you press that button, it's actually doing some stuff on the software and on the screen it'll actually tell you in Windows 10 to tell you attach or detach because it has to kill that that thread between the discrete graphics and the CPU otherwise Windows may not crash but there could be some you can see how some issues can pop up so that's one of the really cool things that Microsoft has done here with that surface book is actually married the two tools or chips or whatever you call it but not compromised on the functionality and this is where I really like the the pro the surface book is that microsoft set out to build the ultimate laptop um and and they they got pretty pretty they did a pretty good job for their first take on i'll really give them some credit i really like what they're doing here because it in the instances that you only want the tablet you have it there and there's you don't make many compromises when you want it as a full pc so you get the best of both best of both worlds you get great pen input you have a great trackpad and keyboard I just wish they could sh they could shorten up the the distance or the the body size a little bit. And what I mean, it's so like on my Dell, it's a very short and easy to go from the keyboard to like swiping on the screen because I use the touch input quite a bit. And on the Pro Book, it's a little bit longer of a reach. It's not you can't keep your finger on the keys and just you know rotate up and just start swiping through. 
So it's not quite there yet. But again, for version one, um, it's very much a Panos product. You can tell by the fit and finish of it. It's meticulously well made. Um, I'm I'm very bullish on it. I, I think they are going to sell more of these things than they think they will. Now, granted, they are not cheap. Um, it does take a little bit of money to get into them. So let's see here. Uh, let's the Surface Book starts at $14.99 and again is coming October 26th. And that gets you 128 gigs of RAM or 128 gigs of storage and eight gigabytes of RAM. And so that's for $14.99, 128, eight gigabyte. For $200 more, that's a big jump, gets you 256 gigs of storage. But if you want the discrete graphics, the coolest part that does all this stuff, um, you know, kind of brings in all the bells and whistles. You're looking at $18.99 for an entry fee, and that gets you 256 storage, uh, core Intel i5, eight gigabytes of RAM, and that's how you get the discrete graphics is starting at $899. And this bad boy goes all the way up to $2699 for 512 gigabytes of storage, i7, and 16 gigabytes of RAM. Um, one interesting thing, aside jumping back to Surface Pro 4, is that the Surface Pro 4 actually has a one terabyte storage option that jacks the price. Let's just check here. So if you, if you, and you have to go to configure your own device where you configure now. So to get the one terabyte, you have to go i7, 16 gigs of RAM, and one terabyte of storage will be the same price, $26.99. So they've actually both top out at the same at the same price point. So that's that's a choice you have. That's a choice you have right there. Is if you you know we all just have $2,700 lying around, right? Um, but if you do and that's the route you want to go, you can max out a Surface Pro 4 with 16 gigs of RAM and one terabyte, or you can max out a Surface Book for 512, essentially just 512 um, storage. And my personal opinion on this matter is go for the Surface Book. It really, don't get me wrong, the Pro 4 is not bad. It really is not bad. But my personal opinion after playing with the Surface Book is if you're going into that higher end category, um, buy the Surface Book. You'll be exquisitely happy with your choice. And it's on the market right now, I'm not afraid to say this, or I should say coming to market when it comes out, this will be the premier Windows 10 device that has its own identity. It's, it's good. And one of the things that I was worried about, so there's a teardrop shape if you look with that hinge, and there's a little bit of gap in there. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on these demo units, and they did not budge. I was—I have a daughter, uh, two years old, and let's just say you know she's 25, 30 pounds. I just imagined her standing on this, um, and it just smushing the laptop and breaking. It, that's not going to happen. I put more than 25 pounds of pressure on this thing, and it was very rigid and just like you would expect from Microsoft. It's a very high quality piece of equipment. So yeah, so that's the Surface Book. I You should be very excited about this. I'm very excited about this. I will have a whole lot more about this in the coming weeks. And yeah, you can read into that how you'd like. I'll have a whole lot more about this. So I kind of want to end here with a post I wrote over on Petri. If you're not familiar, I also read on Petri.com what I called Microsoft's pistol in an olive branch. So over the past few weeks, we'll just say four or five weeks, we have seen Microsoft on stage at Apple's keynote, VMware, and Salesforce, and I'm probably missing some others. Microsoft has been everywhere, and they're building what they call bridges with these new software companies. 
not new software companies, but they're building new bridges with existing software companies, um, specifically like VMware. And this is a big deal for Microsoft, right? It shows them being happy, collaborative, and friendly. And that's great. On one hand, they're opening new avenues with existing or new partners. On, on the other hand, or in the other hand, in my opinion, they have a gun. Um, it's a pistol or whatever weapon you want to call it. And it's pointing them at hardware vendors because Microsoft did not, unlike the, unlike the original service tablet, Microsoft did not tell its OEM partners that they were building a laptop. They didn't. They didn't tell them this, or two-in-one technically, if you want to call it that. And so they found out just like everybody else. Like Dell and HP were watching this, and they said, oh, shit, Microsoft's building a laptop too. And it's Microsoft's. This is Microsoft securing its future because it's not that Dell, well, Dell's been doing it and HP aren't doing good things. It's that they're essentially taking and rehashing the same type of product. They're rehashing an Ultrabook year over year over year. And they're not really ever pushing boundaries. And that's where Microsoft differentiates. I mean, look at the Surface line. They took them a couple years and then all of a sudden, now there are Surface clones from Apple, Google, and everybody has a Surface clone now. And Microsoft was already there. And Microsoft has mastered the, the market. And they, in my opinion, probably had the best device. The iPad Pro is a joke compared to what the Pro 4 is. And around the same price point, too. It's a, it's Apple should be embarrassed by it. And so now Microsoft is moving into the laptop space. And they're moving in, encroaching deeper into their OEMs and their key partners' uh, product line. And if they don't step up their game and build these really premium products, Microsoft is going to cannibalize some of their own OEM partners. And there was a point in time where OEMs and Microsoft lived in this perfect synergy. Microsoft only built the software, and OEMs only built the hardware. But times change. Microsoft is evolving into securing its own future. And they said, hey, you know what? We need to build our own hardware everywhere. And so now they have their own phones, their own tablets, and now their own proper PC. So it's really an interesting thing to watch Microsoft evolve because they're going to their former combatants in the software space and saying, hey, you know what, let's be friends. And they're looking at their OEMs and saying, hey, you know what, we're going to play with you guys too, but except we're going to now be competitors. And so it's, it's just a really interesting dynamic to watch Microsoft mature and watch Nadella kind of take over what his vision of Microsoft is. And one of the things um, I cannot get a clear answer out of Microsoft from, and I have a press quote somewhere, but it's completely ambiguous, is so prior to the Pro 4 announcement, Microsoft was and like I know Dell and HP were doing this, um, saying, "Hey, we're going to resell the Surface too. They're going to become Surface resellers." But they did not say whether or not they could sell the Surface Book. And I asked, and they, they're the short version of the narrative is that it's a very new product, and they don't have anything to announce at this time. So take it for what it is. Um, I don't know if there's vendors or whatever. But anyways, Microsoft is really being aggressive. And actually, Panos on stage directly attacked the MacBook Air um, and even the MacBook Pro. So it's a new Microsoft. It's it's new hardware. It's new software. It's an interesting time to be watching them. And if and this, this shouldn't surprise too many people. People who have been watching Microsoft for years know that they have been changing the underlying functionality of how the company operates. And so here we are. They're now building laptops, or two-in-one. I'm going to refer to it as laptop because I, it really is. It really is just a laptop with a detachable screen. And it's a good machine. And you guys should be happy. And and hopefully, I hope that they do well because I want Microsoft to really pursue this, this avenue. And that's the mentality that I get from the show. Speaking of show, I think that does it for us, guys. I don't want to ramble on about things that aren't relevant. So...
Let's see. What is today? I always start off the show and I can never remember the date. It's the 9th, in case you're listening. Today is October 9th. This has been the Sam's Report, and thanks for listening.